Hey, I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng. And like a lot of you out there, I've already started my summer veggie garden. I've got tomatoes, peas, peppers, spinach, kale, chard, and herbs. Because I love homegrown produce. And so does Yvonne Agnello Adams. She's got this big backyard garden at her home in West Suburban Lombard. We have about 100 square feet of zucchinis, different kinds of lettuces, green beans, and of course our tomatoes and cucumbers. But every fall, she's forced to harvest a pile of green tomatoes that haven't had a chance to ripen yet. Because, you know, our weather turns cold by October. Literally, we had a, a like a basket full. And I was like, I can't eat that many <laughs> fried green tomatoes because I will turn into a fried green tomato. So last year, we did a story answering a question from Yvonne. She wanted to know if there was an easy and affordable way to extend the growing season around here. And actually, we did find one really good option. It's called a hoop house, and it's like a big temporary greenhouse covered in clear plastic. But we also found out there are some places in Illinois that don't allow hoop houses. Places like Elmhurst, where one gardener, Nicole Virgil, has been locked in a fight with city officials over her use of one for years. And one person who's been trying to help Nicole, State Representative Sonia Harbour, thinks that some of the pushback from Elmhurst could be about race. See, Nicole is Black in a suburb that's 89% white. I can't say for sure, but when you are a Black woman, one can only assume that or maybe even have those thoughts. So after we finished our story last year, we kept checking back with Nicole. Because you know what? She didn't give up her fight for hoop houses in Elmhurst. Instead, she took her mission to Springfield. And after two years of trying to convince lawmakers to help her, she finally got an answer. I still don't think it quite feels real. I'm still numb a little bit. So on today's episode, we're going to follow her journey and that resistance Nicole faced. That's coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. I first met Nicole Virgil in the backyard of her lovely blue home in West Suburban Elmhurst. So we've got a few projects going on here, so forgive. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the ladder and whatnot. (laughs) Even in late September, it looked impressive to me. Full of frilly carrot tops, brightly colored peppers, fresh romaine lettuce, arugula, cilantro, and what remained of a prodigious tomato garden. So we harvested all the carrots a few days ago, all this bed of carrots. We have more over here, but this... Nicole is married to an engineer. She's a former opera singer and the homeschooling mom of two teenagers. As we stood in her garden, she told me a story that began in 2013. That's when she started getting more concerned about the food she and her family were eating. We started watching more PBS specials and Food Inc. and learning more about the industrial food system. 
And I was like, this is gross. So it can't be rocket science to grow food or humanity would not have continued, right? So in 2013, she started a small garden with just one raised bed. I was just learning, right? So I didn't want to have too much space because you don't know what you're doing. You wind up getting overwhelmed. But by 2015, she had gotten a lot better and she expanded her veggie garden. She also decided to try extending the growing season by putting up a nine-foot-tall hoop house. It's heated by the sun and covered in clear plastic sheeting. Unlike a greenhouse, though, it costs hundreds rather than thousands of dollars to build. Yeah, so in 2015, we put up our first hoop house. It was very successful. So successful that Nicole and her family got to enjoy carrots, spinach, kale, and potatoes from their backyard well into the winter that year. But then something happened. One of our neighbors complained that it was aesthetically displeasing to them, at which point the city did give us permission to keep it for one season. As long as it's temporary, they said it's okay. So she started learning the municipal codes for structures like party tents, trampolines, sheds, and bouncy houses. You know, temporary stuff you might put in your backyard. And she thought she had it all down. But then the next year, when Nicole went to put up her hoop house again, Elmhurst officials told her she couldn't even put it up temporarily. In other words, they weren't changing the rules on her. Because that neighbor complained again. And this time, it was about the noise. The one complaining neighbor asserts that the hoop house is as loud as a freight train and caused emotional duress to his family. That sound was probably from the wind rippling against the plastic sheeting. And Nicole wondered if the hoop house was bothering other neighbors. So she reached out to some of them, neighbors like Chris Scalziti. You couldn't see it from the front of the house. You couldn't hear it. Nothing, nothing. I I had no idea. And neighbor Elise Fulara. It was not loud. And so, I don't know, I, I was like, oh, I... Don't understand what the big deal is. So these other neighbors, they said they weren't bothered at all. In fact, they came out to meetings to support Nicole. And they were sure that the city of Elmhurst would be able to come up with some sort of accommodation. Here's Skelzidi again. I didn't understand what the, the big problem was and why everyone was very upset. She was growing vegetables and man, were they delicious, let me tell you. Stephen Morley was the mayor of Elmhurst at the time. And in his recollection, the folks who showed up at these meetings were pretty evenly split between supporters and opponents. We had as many people who came out and said that they wanted to extend the gardening season through maybe a hoop house. Um, We had the same amount of residents who said they don't want to see something that large in their next-door neighbor's yard. But that's not how neighbor Elise Fulara remembers it. What she remembers was a ton of supporters. I guess I was naive at that point and thought that they would recognize that there was a lot of people that supported this and that a lot of people had Nicole's back. And different groups of supporters had different strategies to help. Some came out to meetings, but another group organized an informal team who would go through Elmhurst and see if other people were using any kind of other temporary structures and getting away with it. Fulara wasn't one of them, but she says that group found that a lot of other people were using temporary structures. Officially, if you will try to say, hey, I drove past a 
you know, a party this weekend and I saw a structure up, um, was that permissible? They'll say, no, it wasn't, but it's not there now. So it seemed pretty clear that Elmer's city officials were allowing other temporary structures, but just not Nicole's. Her supporters couldn't quite understand why city officials kept refusing to reconsider their ruling. But they got a hint from one official who declared Nicole's hoop house, quote, just didn't fit in with the character of the community. So what does that language about character mean to Nicole? There's definitely some kind of perceived class issue. And part of that class issue, she says, is how Elmhurst officials view people who grow food. They think food production is low class, that this community should not be involved in growing food because it's too lowbrow to them. Okay, that's not a racial issue per se, but you can see how it very easily overlaps or very easily could because they think, oh, why why would they say food production is low class? They think poor people should do it. And poor communities tend to not be all white necessarily, unless you're looking at Appalachia or something. Nicole doesn't like to frame her struggle in Elmhurst as an issue of race. And that's in part because what she's experienced there has been more subtle than that. It's not the class of racist that is kind of hooping and hollering and carrying around a Confederate flag and screaming the N-word. That's not the type of racism you might be looking at. This is a more sophisticated, nuanced group of people who know darn well not to look like that. And Nicole says based on her past experience, raising the issue of race can sometimes make the situation worse. My experience is it's never been helpful to a conversation if I confront someone even very gently and say, you know what, I think you're doing this to me or I think this situation that you're involved in towards me is slanted because of your perception of my ethnic background. That never goes well. That's like the first thing they're going to do is tell me how many black friends they have. It's never going to go anywhere, right? Like it's not productive. So, and it derails the conversation. So I never go there. I never go there. Nicole's neighbor, Elise Falara, thinks some of the resistance to the hoop house came from strong real estate interests in town folks who didn't like the image it might project in their community and what it might do in their minds to property values. This community is a very pro-real estate, pro-development community. And I think that that image is very important. And when you start saying, I want to have a hoop house in my backyard, and you say that to people who are very pro-real estate market, it's kind of like you're talking two different languages. When all this was happening, Nicole appealed to her then alderman, Scott Levin. But she said she didn't get much help. My alderman told me, you don't need to grow food, Nicole. We gave you whole foods. And then what do you say to respond? That alderman, Scott Levin, is now the mayor of Elmhurst. And he says he does remember people telling her that whole foods thing, but that it wasn't him. He also pushes back on Fulara's theory that opponents were mainly concerned about property values. Is it possible that someone is concerned about property values? Yes. Did I hear any testimony or any concern expressed to me about it being tied into property values? No. It's always been characterized as, do we want these in our community or don't we? But whatever the reason, Elmhurst officials, or what one person who didn't want to be named called the Elmhurst power elite... They didn't want this hoop house to happen. And they didn't change their mind when the Daily Herald covered the issue 
or when CBS News came out in 2016 to investigate. The city of Elmhurst is demanding they take down their greenhouse. CBS 2's Sandra Torres tells us why in this original report. And not even when dozens of neighbors wrote in, called in, and showed up at meeting after city council meeting to support Nicole. The officials just wouldn't discuss it. And the way they got around having to discuss it was by never putting it on the official city council meeting agenda. They would not put us on the agenda, period. So finally, we sort of took a break, remarshaled our efforts, and that's when someone said, how about you call your county board reps? How about you call Illinois Environmental Council? Like someone said, why don't you call the NAACP? Maybe this is racial. So in May of 2017, that's when Mike came. She means Mike Childress, president of the DuPage NAACP. I was introduced to her by Liz Chaplin, um, county board member, who thought it was completely wrong to be discriminated against. And that's what we do. We fight discrimination. So he decided to testify on Nicole's behalf at an Elmhurst City Council meeting. Once I, you know, talked to her and went around town and saw the other structures, you know, I wanted to go to the City Council and find out what was different about her that she couldn't have one, but all these other citizens in the city could have one. You know, in my mind, either... Either everybody can have one or nobody can have one. Mayor Scott Levin was at that meeting, and he remembers hearing in Childress's testimony the implication that... That there was a different treatment because she's Black. And that's absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. I've never seen any evidence of that. And if there was, and if it was from the city, I would take action. Nicole's not sure which of the groups that attended the meeting made the difference, but after that meeting, featuring the NAACP and environmental groups, the city council finally agreed to put the hoop house issue on their agenda. And at the end of that meeting, you won't be surprised to know that one of the aldermen said, oh, well, I was going to put this on the agenda anyway, you know, like... (laughs) Despite finally getting on the city council agenda, Nicole's situation didn't change. Elmhurst town leaders still wouldn't let her put up her hoop house. They continued to say that local rules didn't allow it. So by early 2019, Nicole decided there was only one thing left to do. Take her fight statewide to Springfield to try to get legislation passed that would allow people like her to use a hoop house anywhere in the state for winter gardening. What happened next was a big surprise. That's coming up. When Nicole's bill first arrived in Springfield in early 2019, she was an unknown. Her hoop house bill had the backing of an environmental group and sponsors in the House and Senate, But Nicole learned that first-time petitioners with no name recognition don't stand much of a chance. That's not what I wanted to hear in 2019, but looking back on it, that's how it works. Her bill didn't go anywhere. So in 2020, she reintroduced it. 2020 was the coronavirus and everything shut down. And again, my bill is too low priority. The only things they were going to deal with was emergency stuff. So in 2021, this was her third try. But something had changed. A firm called the Institute for Justice took on her case. They're a libertarian, public interest law firm that advocates for limiting government regulation. So instead of going back and arguing again for the allowances of hoop houses, 
the Institute advised taking a new approach. Their bill never mentions hoop houses. Instead, it just says that if a town allows any gardens or backyard structures, like a party tent, it can't declare them illegal just because the vegetation in them is edible. This approach could help Nicole's case, but also other folks in Illinois who've been stopped from growing edible plants in their front yard. The Institute for Justice backed similar legislation in Florida and wanted to make Illinois the second state that, quote, gave people the right to garden. So this spring, Nicole went back to the Illinois General Assembly with this new bill. Representative Sonia Harper from Englewood served as her sponsor again in the House, and Dave Kaler from Peoria backed her in the Senate. But you can't get a vote in either chamber till the whole committee reviews your bill and decides if it's even worthy of a vote. So even though this bill was different, Nicole didn't have a lot of hope going into a March 15th Agriculture Committee hearing on Zoom. Okay, can you hear me? Uh... Let's see. She started out with a speech about why she wanted to see the bill passed. Uh, thank you for, for having me today. My husband and I started growing food just sort of in a response to a lot of the food documentaries that we had seen several years ago, which talked about, you know, the quality of industrial food. And so since I was... A then lobbyists side, from groups that represent local government interests immediately tore it apart. Previous proposals, along with uh, this bill, represent, in our opinion, a dangerous precedent by allowing the state to intervene in and dictate local zoning matters. Uh, the bill would prevent, as I read it, would prevent local governments from prohibiting such structures. But it turns out those lobbyists misread the language in the bill, and they were soon corrected by the lawyer for the Institute for Justice. But opponents kept insisting that this bill would somehow stop towns from making their own rules. Nicole was losing hope. But then something unexpected happened when a Republican representative from rural northwest Illinois, Andrew Chesney, raised his hand. Uh, Representative Chesney, would you like to question? Nicole was scared he was just going to pile on more. He would not take a call from me. I was not able to get through to his office before the meeting, which made me nervous because if you can't talk to someone before the meeting, probably it's a no. (laughs) But then she got a big surprise. Nicole, I uh, did a quick Google search on your situation, and it looks like you've been going at this for a, quite a long time uh, with the city of Elmhurst. And uh, She couldn't believe that he even took the time to look up her case. And then something even more shocking happened. I'm prepared to support your bill today. I love your tenacity and your fight, and uh, I hope that we can help you out and uh, and that you'll be able to grow a, a home garden without any more encumbrances. It caught me right in my throat. It, it just, he was nice to me. And uh, the city of Elmhurst has not been just nice. But to Nicole, this wasn't just nice. She thinks his support might have actually helped sway others on the committee to vote for it, too. So you might have thought that the committee meeting would end right there with a vote. But no, instead, another representative said he wanted guarantees that the bill would regulate hoop houses, even though it was written specifically not to mention hoop houses, but instead to just be about the even application of the law. Representative Sonia Harper, who had been working with Nicole on this issue for two years, had had enough. Over the past two years, I have received some of the most disparaging, disrespectful, racially charged, harassing, 
trolling, malicious lies, attacks, and everything else. Just over trying to protect a woman's right to garden in her own backyard. She got down to business. I mean, as you're sort of a lay person going through this process, they tell you to get a champion, you know, and damn, if that's not Sonia. Harper finished up by saying, I think that we can see that this is something that we can move forward with that doesn't step on anybody's toes, but clarifies that people, in fact, do have the right to grow what they want in their backyards, because in 2021, it doesn't seem like that is the case. With that, the vice chair called a vote. And guess what happened? Nearly every single member of the committee voted to advance Nicole's bill. Harper. Yes. Yednock. Yes. Meyer. I will vote yes on it. Chesney. Yes. Greenwood. Yes. Halpin. Yes. Mason. Yes. Swanson. I appreciate all the discussion, but my concerns are not addressed yet. I'm a no. There being seven votes in favor and one vote opposed, uh, House Bill 633 is declared passed and will be favorably reported to the House. You could see Nicole on the screen holding back tears. I just fell apart and just was crying because I was shocked. I was shocked. I was grateful. And it's that feeling of when you're leaning into headwinds for so long, what does it feel like when the wind stops? Now, this was just a committee vote to see if it could go to the House floor. But for Nicole, getting this far was huge. It took my breath away completely. And it ended up being the turning point of her story. See, the next few weeks included more unlikely wins. And some of that stems from the bill's unusual bipartisan appeal. I mean, it's one of those weird issues that brings together parts of the left and the right. The right that wants to see smaller government, but the left that often pushes for sustainability and healthy food. Whatever the secret sauce was, it worked. Nicole swept it with a 7-0 win in the Senate committee. Then it won a full floor vote in the House 92-24. to After that, I was just kind of numb. Like I would say to my husband, is it happening? Like, is it happening? And finally, on May 27th, she overcame the final hurdle with a win on the Senate floor. Yep, the bill passed the entire General Assembly, making its last stop Governor J.B. Pritzker's desk, where he's expected to sign it later this summer. I caught up with Nicole to see how it felt after six years of fighting. I still don't think it quite feels real. I'm still numb a little bit because I still am perplexed. I have to tell you honestly, like, why did this take so much work? So what did all this work accomplish? Well, it created legislation that basically says if you're going to allow any gardens or backyard structures. You cannot have a law at the municipal level that discriminates against backyard activities based on the edibility of the vegetation. Nicole has already started her summer and spring garden with spinach, herbs, and lettuce. But she did think that she would have gotten a call by now from the city of Elmhurst, you know, to learn more about how officials are interpreting the new law and what that might mean for her fall garden. But she hasn't heard a thing from them. I haven't had any courteous closure from the city saying, okay, let's wrap this up and tie it off. Here's what this means. Here's the parameters. There's none of that. So then anything's possible with these guys. Well, it turns out Nicole was right to be skeptical. 
I called up Elmhurst City Hall and talked to Mayor Scott Levin. I asked if he thought the new legislation meant that Nicole would be able to put up her hoop house again this fall. I'm not sure that it would or that it wouldn't. And the reason, he says, is because two aldermen have written something called a referral that's going to revisit local rules on backyard structures. And he says the outcome of that referral could still preclude Nicole from putting up a hoop house in Elmhurst. I just can't tell you at this point whether what does pass is going to you know, be completely satisfactory to the hoop house supporters. I don't know. Still, Nicole is hopeful that this referral won't change things. She doesn't think the town is going to ban all backyard structures just to spite her. So this fall, she's planning to put up her hoop house again. And there are already dozens of people who volunteered to do a hoop house raising with her. If that doesn't happen, though, we will be very interested to report on that, too. Curious City is produced by Joe Dussault and edited by Alexandra Solomon. Maggie Civit is our digital and engagement producer. And Natalie Dahlia is our intern. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Monica Eng. Thanks for listening. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that and it's Chicago based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.